You are listening to the Conversational Selling Podcast with Nancy Calabrese. Hi, everyone. It's Nancy Calabrese, and it's time again for Conversational Selling, the podcast where sales leaders and business experts share what's going on in sales and marketing today. And it always starts with the human conversation. Today, we're speaking with Rachel Kassar, the CEO and co-founder of Virtual Sapiens, a machine learning SaaS platform that helps client-facing professionals develop and amplify their communication skills and presence in a virtual world. As a former professional ballet dancer and gymnast with unparalleled expertise in nonverbal communication and live performance, Rachel has a knack for translating unique skills into relatable business skills and competencies. Her thought leadership has been featured on the TEDx Northeastern stage, Harvard Business Review, and the Boston Globe, to name a few, and she's worked with leaders such as GE and Pfizer. Welcome to the show, Rachel. This is going to be a great discussion. Thank you, Nancy, for having me. Oh, my goodness. So, You talk a lot about reinvention. Why is that so important for all of us? Reinvention, it's interesting. I I find transition and change is around us all the time, whether we realize it or not. But I also find that everyone is at some point in their lives or maybe multiple times in their lives is going to have to face like a a pretty big transition. You know, I think a lot of us felt that or experienced that at some point during the pandemic. And there tends to be, of course, fear around change and transition. But sometimes I find people turn to wherever they're going next and forget where they came from. Yeah. And so in in my experience, the process of reinventing myself, which I've done so many times, is always on the shoulders of these past identities I've had. And I think that concept is really fascinating and powerful. So you basically are taking your prior experiences into your new experience when you reinvent yourself. Is that what you're saying? Right. Cool. So you're all about um, virtual selling and presentation, which is my world, by the way. And um, you talk about mistakes that sellers make when they're on video, especially when it comes to their presence. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because we've, video was really activated during the pandemic and during the pandemic, it was, it was really just about showing up and having your video turned on was a bonus, right? Um, Because few of us had much choice in where we were connecting from because there were so few choices we had at that time. And now that we're evolving out of the pandemic, and video continues to be a primary channel of connection with our prospects and, and clients. There's a big gap I find in the education and awareness around some of the messages we may be sending when we show up on video. Okay. Specifically, if you think about you know these squares of real estate we have on video, right? It accentuates some of the most expressive parts of ourselves, our faces our upper bodies, our shoulders, the way we move our heads, our hand gestures, if we're framed properly and you can actually see those. Um, And all all of those components of visual communication 
can send a very powerful message of preparedness and respect and perceived trustworthiness and authority, or they can sure. undermine those things, right? And we both know that in in, in a selling or, or sales relationship, you know, it's more it's more than making the sale. It's about building the relationship and the rapport. And yeah, you know, a lot of that can be made or or not over video. Yeah. You know, I, I'm often surprised at the backgrounds some people use or, you know, are in when they do video. How does that impact, you know, a potential customer? Definitely, definitely. Um, the background speaks volumes about, yeah. you know, choices you've made or, or not made when you've decided to show up on video with this other person, right? And I yeah. think it's very easy to become, um, to almost forget what, or to get used to the, the background you have, right? And the background you have becomes very normal and, you, and you, you don't pick up on little details that someone who's seeing the background for the first time will be like, oh, like, what is that thing there in the corner? And, oh, that right. ceiling fan is just going round and round. And it, every time I think it's going to like, biff them in the head or these little distractions right of an unintentional background can require mental energy from your audience that would be yeah. better suited on your message distractions is exactly, exactly uh, you're absolutely right well um you know my in my space you're not seeing this, but um, I have a huge picture of Paul McCartney. He's my idol. Mm. And um, it is he is an icebreaker, though, I must say, mm -hmm. <laughs> for a lot of people. And, and I'm, I'm shocked some people don't even know who it is. So, um, right. Well, go figure. OK, you talk mm -hmm. about nonverbal cues and behaviors that need to be mastered to be an effective communicator. What are, what are some of the top ones? Definitely. Some of the top ones are posture, mm -hmm. where you're looking, how you use your eyes when you're speaking, but also as a listener, okay. um, the way you use your hands and facial expressions. Those would be some of the top four nonverbals, uh, nonverbal categories really to be aware of. And on video, of course, all of them are very present. Um, the one thing I'll say as a caveat on video is the way you frame yourself is critical because okay. if you are going to have your lens positioned such that we can only see the very top of your head or, right. you know, we, we can't see your face because you're looking at a different screen and your lens is somewhere else. Like those are things that are, are just from the get go, very detrimental to your presence because you've ruined the human connection that we can take advantage of on video. Yeah. But, talk more about hand gestures, though. What yeah. do you mean by that? Because I, I talk with my hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So hand gestures is a fascinating category of nonverbals because it's it's actually quite rich. And yes, using hand gestures is a wonderful tool to create a sense of openness, of warmth, of invitation. It helps people trust you more because they know that you are present with them, that you're not fiddling around with some right. unseen phone or tablet or animal or whatever, right? Like people like to see open palm hand gestures. It's very soothing. It's very reassuring. Huh. Um, so that's, that's number one. On, on the other end of the spectrum though, some people 
over rely on hand gestures to communicate. And yeah. when the hand gestures are kind of waving around nonsensically, and there's not a an intentional connection between the way hand gestures are being used and the words that are being communicated, hand gestures in that case can be distracting. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all, about, and then there's like different types of when you're touching your face with your hands that can actually signal uh, stress and anxiety and discomfort. And so right. the way, what it really comes down to is developing a hand gesture vocabulary that supports the message you're trying to send. Right. Yeah. You know, when um, we first got into COVID, I met with this woman who also did, oh, she used to do broadcasting. And one of the tricks that tip she gave me was to buy a seat cushion Mm -hmm. to raise myself up. So I'm looking more square in the camera. Is that something that you recommend as well? Yes. Whether it's a seat cushion or propping, sometimes people actually need to prop their lens up a little bit higher so that they're not looking down on the camera. The lens is like the other person or it's like your audience's eyes, right? It's their vantage point. If you look into the lens, you're looking directly into their faces. Um, And so the way you orient around the lens is really important. And the the level of the lens, making it easy for you to look into the lens when you're speaking increases your authority. Little hacks like that really go a long way. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. What she taught me was I wasn't looking at the camera. I was looking at her Mm. on Zoom. And so I was looking down. So I'm really glad that she pointed that out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. AI is big news nowadays. So how how does that come into the equation with what you do? Mm-hmm. AI is um, central, actually, to what we do at Virtual Sapiens. So all of those nonverbal cues that I just mentioned, we've trained our AI to recognize. And so when you're interacting with any of our solutions, our AI will analyze your video feed and then provide you with personalized feedback on how you were showing up throughout that video recording or video meeting and provide you with suggestions on how you might level up your presence, essentially. Yeah. I'm just really curious. So I know your, your background is ballerina and um, gymnast. Um, how did you wind up into this role and this, you know, being the owner of this company? Yes, through a series of reinventions, full circle back <laughs> to the beginning of the conversation. But um, it, it does sound like a drastic leap, but when you follow the thread, it makes sense. I retired from Boston Ballet after dancing with the company for 10 years in 2016 and okay. started working at Harvard in their fundraising department, which is you know, heavy on relationships. And I I noticed that there was a general lack of awareness when it came to the way people were showing up physically, right? Their their body language, their presence. And so because of this like dancer spidey sense, right? As a dancer, you're performing and you only use your body to communicate. There are no words. Right. Um, Right. And so I had this like nonverbal communication sensibility already. And so I started studying the field and the different applications of it in restaurants, with sales teams, leaders, et cetera, started consulting in that space in my own right, but then also as a facilitator with other companies. And then when the pandemic happened, I I was just like, if we're going to be on video, we can use technology to our advantage here. Wow. Wow. And, and, And so going back to AI, what do we need to be wary of when we use AI? 
in this application, right? So AI as coach, and when the AI is analyzing your behaviors, whether they're verbal, nonverbal, or vocal, the thing to really pay attention to is you know, where is the science behind the insights that are being shared? Have these metrics and insights, are they backed up by the most recent science and peer-reviewed research? Um, That's one thing I would say is really important to just confirm because it's easy, like information's everywhere these days. Yeah. And so what you might see, for example, is, oh, this um, AI coach over here will tell me how many times I've smiled. And it's like, so what? Like, is that important? you, You know, like, how is there, is there a study somewhere that says if you smile 15 times in a one hour meeting that somehow that has, you know, it's like, it can't be reduced to such a specific, um, arbitrary number. Right. Um, right. So at virtual sapiens, we look at facial expression variation or expressivity because we know when people engage with their facial muscles, Mm -hmm. In whatever way, it, do, it could be surprise, shock, anger, frustration, happiness, sadness. Like it, it depends on the context, which emotions make sense. So we're not going to tell you how to, how to feel or what to express, but we will tell you if you're coming across as completely monotonous with your expressions. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Something I learned as well, when I, am, I listen to people over, say, a Zoom environment, my, my mouth droops. And so I have to make a concerted effort to kind of keep my mouth from drooping. I, I was not aware of that. Right, right. I mean, that's a perfect example is um, our habits on screens are a little, when it comes to the way we engage with a screen, we tend to be more passive, right? When we're watching a movie, we just sit there and watch it. Right. Um, but now we're having these human interactions that are alive with other human beings. And so we have to almost develop a new sense of muscle memory around the yeah. way we express on, on a screen. This is fascinating stuff. Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. I mean, let's see. I think, I, I think that video... Mm-hmm. when used well, uh, both in the sense of when the human who's on video is is skilled and aware and can communicate effectively, and when video is the proper channel to, to use, is one mm-hmm. of the most powerful ways that as humans we can connect. Yeah. And, and you know, in wrapping up the show, what is the one takeaway you want to leave the audience with? I would say... For all of the audience members, the next time you are on a video call, which I would assume is uh, soon, right? Pay pay attention to not only some of the ways you you are showing up, right, but how other people are showing up, and and whether you're able to sense that they're they've had some kind of training or practice or put mm-hmm. some real effort into the way they're showing up as communicators, or if they're kind of you know just turning the camera on to to show that there's a human on the other side. Yeah, one one final thought um, before we wrap this up. Uh, matching and mirroring is so important. What do you have to say about that? Yes, um, fascinating. So one of our advisors, who is a behavioral scientist, um, she did her whole thesis on 
mirroring and mimicry. And okay. um, she started her thesis in, before the pandemic and then had to finish it during the pandemic and found that over video, that that same concept of when a conversation, when there's synchrony in the conversation, people will mirror one another's right. behaviors. That kind of um, behavioral concept is very present on video, um, which which is fascinating because you would think that maybe the channel's not um, strong enough, but yep. turns out that it is. Uh, I, I think, and it's it's really crucial in the sales process to uh, use your nonverbal cues, as you've mentioned, and really listen in. And by listening in, like very often when I'm deep in listening, I kind of lean forward mm -hmm. um, to make sure I'm getting everything. And um, at, at the end of the day, I love what you do. I told you, you have such an interesting star story. How can my audience find you? We, uh, I'm most easily found on LinkedIn. So just Rachel Kosser uh, on LinkedIn would love to connect with anyone who's interested in speaking further and our tools, actually, anyone can try our assessment or sidekick coach for free on our website. So that's virtualsapiens.co. Co. Okay. Very good. And, um, everyone, I really recommend you go to Rachel's website and listen to her TEDx uh, speech. It was, it was fabulous. And it kept my attention for the whole time. It was great. So, um, Rachel, thanks for being here. I enjoyed speaking with you. I hope that we can continue this down the road and everyone have a great sales day. Thank you. The Conversational Selling Podcast is sponsored by One of a Kind Sales. If you are frustrated that you don't have enough leads or your sales team complains that they just don't have enough time to prospect, we can help. To work with Nancy and her team to help you manage your sales team, install her proven outbound sales process, and create more bottom line results, email her now at nancy at oneofakindsales.com. To learn more about Nancy and her outbound sales secrets, grab your free copy of her book, The Inside Sales Solution, at oneofakindsales.com forward slash book.